get to spend some time with you. We're busy with our series called The Sky Full of Stars, which we started last week, a three-week short sermon series speaking about the event of Christmas and us considering what happened. Now, I want to say this is, yes, maybe this isn't the actual date that Jesus Christ was born. Yes, maybe it was somewhere at a whole different date. And the Bible says that we shouldn't be getting into all these disputes and dialogues about things that really doesn't matter. What we are doing in this time is we are observing that he has arrived. What we are doing is we're celebrating that God became flesh, and with that he brought an entire kingdom. And that's what we're going to be looking at. It's not just sweet baby Jesus in a little manger wrapped in some blankets and little animals around. Because that's sometimes the picture we have of Christmas. It's just a little sweet picture and the, the songs we sing. With the arrival of Jesus Christ came his full kingdom and everything he has in store for us. So it's far more greater than the little nativity play we often stop and think about on Christmas Day. The series is called The Sky Full of Stars. And I was speaking about this last week, saying that we live in a day and age where there are so many things that could take, us, take our attention that shines bright in this world. Eliana said it this morning, even the kings and the kingdoms of the world shine bright. And I want to take a moment to pray for the nation of Syria before I continue. Because this week, the darkness in that nation shone bright to the world. And our only and our proper response as Christians is not to post something on Facebook and reshare something. It is really to get down on our knees and pray for our brothers and sisters in another nation. So before we continue in, in this week where we are celebrating life and light and where people are faced with death, I want us as a church to respond with the proper way of praying. Can we do that? Let's stand together as we pray for the nation of Syria this morning. Lord, as we said already, we stand in your power. Lord, and the weapons of our warfare is not carnal, but it's much greater and much stronger than any weapon of this world. So Lord, this morning we take hands with the body of Christ around the world as we plead with you, Father, to bring breakthrough to the nation of Syria. In Jesus' name, Father, we pray that you will bring life, that you will bring hope, and that you will bring light to that dark nation, Father. Lord, and as we celebrate your kingdom this morning, Father, we pray your kingdom come and your will be done in that nation. Lord, that you will step in and bring the fullness of Christ to a nation that's for so long turned their backs on you, Father, and that we will hear stories upon stories of your goodness and your appearance to the people of that nation and your salvation that shines bright in the nation of Syria, Father. So we trust you together with the whole body of Christ this morning for breakthrough, for change, Lord, and for your love to lead people to a place of fullness in you. And we all say that in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the question I asked last week is, what shines brightest in your life? Maybe it's the difficulty of the year. Maybe it is the victories of the year. Maybe it is managing your budget so that you can get to all the gifts that you need to. Maybe it's an amazing vacation that's going to happen this week. But last week we spoke about the quest for a true king, how three wise men were part of the kingdom of Persia and they heard about Jesus' birth through the star that God spoke to them. And they moved from the, Persian of kingdom, uh, uh, the kingdom of Persia 
to the kingdom of Jerusalem to go look for the king of Jews because to them something shone much brighter, brighter than the world that they were used to and that was Jesus Christ, the true king. We discovered that Herod was no match to Jesus Christ. Although he was the king of the Jews in that day and age, the true king was born on Christmas day. And we ended by saying, let us not be so occupied with the stars of this world that we fail to be captivated by Christ, the brightest of them all. We all stopped and, th- and considered for a minute, what is it that shines so bright in my life that my focus has shifted from Jesus to something else? So the arrival of a true king is what we celebrated last week. And this morning, we're going to talk about his kingdom. Because with the birth of Jesus Christ was the coming of a divine kingdom. Not a human kingdom, not an earthly kingdom, not just another rulership or or governance for a season. Something divine, something supernatural, something far greater than what the human eye has seen. And has since then kept growing and growing and living and moving and changing. And it's never changed. And there's no shadow of change in the kingdom of God. Although the kingdoms of this world might shine bright and there's things that happen, the kingdom of God is without change. So turn your Bibles to Matthew 2. We're in the same piece of scripture that we read from last week. And we're going to discover seven attributes of the kingdom of God out of this story of the wise men paying homage to Jesus Christ on his birth. So you can follow with me in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 2. I'm reading from the ESV. Verse 1, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star. Everyone say star. We're going to find seven words in this passage this morning. When it rose. And have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them whether Christ, say Christ, was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. There we go. The guys are catching on here. Fast and slap. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler. Say ruler. Who will shepherd, say shepherd, my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Say joy. And going on into the house, they saw and worshipped him. Then opening up their treasures, say treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The kings and the kingdoms of this world is pale in comparison to what Christ Jesus brought on the day of his arrival. If you sit and consider for a minute 
the challenges we face in our own nation, it seems to be very loud and upfront and in your face. And yes, it is quite tricky and challenging. And there's a lot of stuff around us. But the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are not part of anything else. You are transformed from the kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. Then your earthly standing doesn't matter that much anymore. That's what Lucy said this morning is we get an eternity perspective what it is to be in the kingdom of God. And on Jesus Christ's birth, he ushered in the fullness of the kingdom of God to us, his followers and his believers. Christ's arrival through natural birth marked the arrival of his kingdom of supernatural worth. It wasn't a natural kingdom. It had power behind it. It had a divine purpose behind it. It had life behind it and so much more. And as I said this morning, we're going to look at seven attributes, and you said them all out of this piece of passage this morning that describes the kingdom of God. The first one is that it's a kingdom of light. The wise men saw a great light, some of the translations say, not just a star. They saw a great light, and they started following it. And it's quite interesting when you think about this. The arrival of God's kingdom through his son Christ was marked first with light. Now think back at creation. What did God do first of all when he created? He created, he said, let there be light. So at the beginning, already we see that the kingdom of God is one of light. When God created man and creation story and for us to be in a relationship with him, he said it starts with light. It starts with something that is opposite to the darkness that each one of us face. And in the same manner, when Jesus Christ appeared and he was born, the first thing that we see is a kingdom of light has come to this world. I love the scripture out of John chapter 1. It's amazing the, the gospels, how John chapter 1 starts totally different, speaking about Jesus Christ in a whole different manner than the other gospels. It speaks about his birth. And I'm going to read to you, from John chapter one, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. It's talking about Jesus Christ. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and darkness has not overcome it. I'm gonna pause there for a minute. The light of Jesus Christ's kingdom shines in the darkness of this world and it shines in the darkness of your life and there's nothing that can overcome it. And if you're in a place where you feel overcame by the darkness or seeming darkness around you, all you have to do is to draw near to the kingdom of God again. And say, let your light shine because the darkness in another scripture says cannot comprehend it. It cannot hold it. It cannot understand it. It continues by saying, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light. No man is ever the light of the kingdom of God. It is only Jesus Christ. But he came to bear witness about the light. And then here's our key scripture. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. The question we have to ask ourselves in this season of Christmas and celebrating his arrival, have we looked at other lights, are other lights shining brighter, or do we know Jesus Christ? Or are we like the world who 
kind of like the idea, and we maybe attend church, and we might have a little bit of an experience, but there's no true walking in the light of God. The second thing that we read from the scriptures is that it's a kingdom of truth. Now, I don't know about you. Um, I'm not into all the, the, the philosophies and the things out there, but I do think there's a whole lot of things that happen around the world that we aren't quite aware of. Um, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to try and speak about things that I don't know about. But the thing about the kingdom of God, it's full of truth and it's only truth. There's no shadow of doubt. There's nothing in God's kingdom that we don't have the clarity for of what it is and what it looks like. And again, in comparison to the kingdoms of the world, we're not always sure that we get to hear the truth. And what's interesting is King Herod's response when he heard about the birth of Jesus Christ. Because he was directly opposed to the truth. Up until this point, King Herod thought that he was the king of the Jews. And then the kingdom of truth came in and he was challenged. And there's a key for us to learn here as followers of Jesus Christ. Is when we stand in the power of Jesus in his kingdom, truth is the weapon of our warfare. That we always use in the times when things are tough or the, the things we believe are challenged. You might be in a moment in your life where things are really challenged and it's really tough and you've given up on God, but his truth will prevail. And you know what's the amazing thing about the truth of God? The Bible says in John chapter 8, if you abide in my word, you truly are my disciples. That's how we understand truth, is by abiding in the word of God. There's no other way for us to know the truth but being in the Bible, by spending time in the word of God. And then it says... And you will know the truth by abiding in my word, and the truth will set you free. That's the amazing thing about truth. With truth comes freedom. And the moment you accept the kingdom of truth in your life might just be the moment that your freedom comes of that thing that you've been battling and fighting against for so long. So actually say, God, show me in here. Let me understand the fullness of who you are. I want to abide in this and really understand what you say of me and what you, wanna, what you want me to be. And it brings me to my next point. It speaks about a kingdom of promise. It's the, the word of God is filled with promises for each one of us, which is truth, that if we align our lives towards that and not the lies of ourselves against ourselves and the enemy and the world and the things we face, we will be truly set free in this day and age. Herod inquired of them whether Christ was born, and they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The kingdom of God is one of promise. The kingdom of God didn't just arrive all of a sudden. There was a whole history of promises being made by God through his prophets. And then there's the fulfillment of the promise. And everything in the kingdom of God, every promise of God have a payoff. And every prophecy about Christ and Messiah have a fulfillment. Now, I don't know if you know this, little bit of, a little bit of interesting information. There's over 400 prophecies of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. That's quite a lot. Think about it for a minute. So over the course of thousands of years, various prophets at various times and various places disconnected from one another shared over 400 prophet, uh, prophecies about the arrival 
of Jesus Christ. Of that 44 of the 400 are Messianic prophecies, saying that he will be the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the true Savior, the Christ Jesus, that the Jews have been waiting for. And I've shared this once before when we talked about our series about the, 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 the word of God being God-breathed. But a mathematician and an astronomer worked out the odds that one person could fulfill not 400, but only eight prophecies in his lifetime. Only eight. So here's person X. He just arrived on earth. He was just born. But thousands of years ago, there were eight prophecies And then person X fulfills all of them. What are the odds that that would happen? And the odds are one out of 10 to the power of 17. That's staggering. Now imagine 400 prophecies. That is the Christ we serve. That's the Christ we celebrate in this season. As I said, it's not just a fuzzy, warm feeling and some Christmas lights and good food. It is the celebrating of something much more profound. It's our, it's our livelihood. It's us having our entire existence in this arrival of Jesus Christ. I love the promise of the promise in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. It says, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. So those things that you've been trusting God for and you've been hanging on to him, don't give up. The truth will set you free, and with the truth comes his promises, and it is a resounding yes. God's timing is his timing, and he does things in his way, and he's sovereign. But we never give up on the promises, because Christ has fulfilled 400 prophecies. So I can't imagine the odds. I think it's a number that we won't be able to even mention. So it's a kingdom of promise. The fourth thing, it's a kingdom of leadership. Now, naturally, one would think that when you say the word kingdom, there is leadership. Probably is, but the thing about Christ's kingdom is that it's brought a leader and a ruler to us that is someone that we can follow. It's something that we can follow. There's, there's a Jesus who's, who's leading the way for us, and we can wholeheartedly say, this is something I can trust. This is something that's a fulfillment of promise, and therefore I can follow the leadership of Jesus Christ in my life. Bethlehem, from you shall come a leader, a ruler, a king, a great true king. The Bible says in Revelation 1 verse 5 that Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the ruler of kings on earth. Christ even stands above and even oversees and even rules the kingdoms of this world. And again I say it's interesting how we just treat this season as something nice to remember but it's really our prayer in this morning and precious prayer that we would be awakened to the fullness of what God has in store for us in this season. That he wants to say, you know what, if you'd entrust your life to me, I, I rule the kingdoms and the kings of the world. Why wouldn't we want to say, yes, Jesus, I trust you then with my life? Why would we want to handle, hand onto the handle and the steer of our own lives and our own concerns and our own opinions and the bright stars that shine around us, if we can put our trust in the one who rules all the kingdoms of the earth. Isn't that powerful? A little baby boy that we're celebrating who brought with him the fullness of the kingdom of God. That excites me. I'm really excited to see that you guys are so excited about this. Hebrews chapter one, we're in a lot of chapter ones this morning. 
says this and speaks about the supremacy of Christ. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? When he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, the firstborn speaking of Jesus, let all God's angels worship him. Of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. It's amazing how God the Father speaks over the Son and it says, your throne, O God, affirming that he is God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. And I've said this many times, Elena and I had the privilege of attending the South African Music Awards years back and Trevor Noah in his BF days, before famous days, was the, the, the MC for the night And he presented the gospel category and he said this, he said, the kingdom of God is the only kingdom that has never seen a recession. And that struck me as a a person that I don't know his life to know whether he has a relationship with Jesus, but as a person that probably doesn't go to church every week or might not have a revelation of Jesus Christ, said that of the kingdom of God. It's because there's a leader who's leading us to places and in victory every time Every single moment, when we get together to worship like this morning, he comes with his leadership and he says, let me lead you to a greater place. Let me lead you to your victory. Let me lead you to the place that you've been trusting me for, for such a long time, because I've spoken truth over you and my promises are yes, and I'm the great leader that you can follow. Will we in this season realign our leadership so that Christ is Lord of our lives and we really look only to him for every decision we make going forward? where we stop trusting in the kingdoms of the world or maybe even our own kingdom that we've built in our little house or in our business and say, we're gonna trust the king who rules over all the kingdoms of this world. The fifth thing that we read out of this passage is that it's a kingdom of care. This is beautiful to me. It's not this far off, strong, victorious king. It's a very intimate and personal Jesus that walks the small little baby steps with us. The Bible says that heaven stoops down, that God bends down to be with us, to take care of us, to nourish us, to protect us, to shepherd us. This prophecy about Jesus speaks about that and asking the question, who will be our shepherd? And that is Jesus Christ, the shepherd of his flock. One of my favorite, personal favorite scriptures is out of Matthew 9, verse 36, where it says, when he saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion for them. Moved with compassion is a strong sentence. It's not he had compassion. It's easy to have compassion, but does it move us into action? And in Jesus Christ's case, he cared for the people and he was moved with compassion because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. If that's how you feel this morning, harassed and helpless, there's a shepherd and a king and his kingdom that's all about taking care of you. Maybe you're heavy laden, maybe you need rest. That is his promise to you this morning. Psalm 23, we all know this. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. He gives me rest. Why? Because his kingdom is a kingdom of care and compassion on his people. The sixth point this morning and the sixth attribute of the kingdom of God is that it's a kingdom of joy. 
And here's the thing about joy. Joy isn't something you can create. Happiness probably is. Uh, if you eat what you like, you're going to be happy for a while. Uh, again, it's me speaking about food at that time of the day. Um, or something can make you happy. But joy is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's something that God does in the, in the lives of his people that we can't contain. And it's from the inside when we are renewed in Jesus Christ. And his kingdom comes with the fullness of that joy. The wise men experienced that. Behold, the star that they seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Not just they had joy, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Jesus had a secret. He came to this earth and with his kingdom, it was something that no other kingdom has ever had. And I don't think up until today, I try to think about nations that could probably be joyful, considering that what they would do to be a joyful nation, but I couldn't think of one. Maybe there's some nations that drink a little more than others and they think that there's true joy, but there isn't. But Jesus came with joy and the world hasn't tasted it. And since then it hasn't tasted the joy that Jesus Christ's kingdom has brought to this earth. And it's not something we need to fight for or try and keep. It is something where we stand in the power of Jesus Christ that that joy comes to us and we get to enjoy it. The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exalt over you with joy. He will quiet you by his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Romans 14, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amazing promises about the joy of God in our lives. You know, the one thing about joy that I want to say is that joy begets joy. When I go up to Rick and we work together in the office and there's a moment of joy and Ricky comes in and he's joyful and he shares it with me, what happens to me? I become joyful. And then I'm excited and joyful and he gets more joyful because I'm joyful. And sometimes that's all you need to do is you need to go and be with Jesus, the man of joy, who's brought a kingdom of joy so that you can experience that joy again. When my joy is lost, the number one question I ask myself is when last have I been with Christ? Because I know every time that I do go to him, there's a joy that I can't contain that comes from being with Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Because he is joyful in himself. And when I go and I experience his joy, I get joyful and then he gets excited over the fact that I'm joyful in him. Joy begets joy. I thought about the story of Mary Magdalene who came to Jesus with a big vial of perfume, an expensive vial of perfume. And the disciples were, as the Bible said, they were disheartened when she broke this vial of perfume she poured it out over him. And they said, why this waste? And God said, uh-uh, this isn't a waste. This is her expressing a joy over the fact that she's found me. But here's the thing, what did Mary give to Jesus Christ? Perfume. What did Mary leave with? With perfume. How do you say that, Pierre? She came with perfume, she poured it on him. The Bible says that she knelt down and washed his feet with her hair. And what she gave to him, she left with. She poured out perfume, she washed his feet, and she received perfume. 
That's why joy begets joy. When you go to Jesus Christ, the joy that he has will wash off on you and you will go and experience that elsewhere. And that's what we need to do in this season. We need to go closer to Jesus, away from the stars and the bright things of this world and say, Christ, I desire the joy that you give because in that place, I find my strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. In that place, 2017 can come and whatever might be in it, I will be steady in my joy with you. And then the last thing this morning is that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of generosity. What I love about this story is these wise men gave generously. It says that going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening up their treasures, they offered him gifts. They didn't open up their gifts and gave him gifts. They opened up their treasure, something that was very important to them, something that was dear to them. And they generously from that gave their gifts. And that's the kingdom of God. The Bible says that freely we have received, so freely we give. It says in Deuteronomy that we are his prized possession, God's own treasure. And it says in 2 Peter 1 verse 8, that we are a royal nation, a holy priesthood, God's possession. So God has got this incredible treasure in us. And these wise men experienced that when they saw the born king of the Jews, the Messiah, the Christ. And from themselves, they generously gave from their own treasure onto him. And that's the best gift you can give God this Christmas. is to say, God, my treasure, my greatest reward is you. I love the parable where Jesus said, if a man finds a field and there's something very expensive in it, wouldn't he sell everything to get that field? And in the same way, Jesus said, that's the kingdom of God. When you discover it, make that your greatest treasure. And out of that will flow a heart of generosity. And here's my concluding thought for us this morning. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, Let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. That's how we respond in this Christmas season to what God has given us. It's by worship, it's through holy fear and being in awe of God and the kingdom he has brought. So in our series of A Sky Full of Stars, fill your world with worship of God in this time. Fill your, your skies with considering the, the stars of the kingdom that Jesus Christ has brought with him, which is truth, promise, light, joy, leadership, care, and the last one, generosity. Those are the things that Jesus Christ has brought with him on the day that he was born. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, thank you that you've done so much in our lives this morning that our spirits are full, that we have had an encounter with you this morning, Lord. And my prayer is as, as we enter into this week of celebrating and, and considering your arrival, Lord, that we would do this with, with these things in mind, Lord. That you didn't just come to save, Lord, but you brought something far greater than what human eyes ever saw and could ever comprehend. So I pray for everyone here this morning that we would consider these seven attributes of your kingdom and ask ourselves, which one of these attributes, Lord, do we need to 
desperately seek out and apply to our lives in this season, Lord. I pray, Lord, that it won't just be a moment, but that we would live with the momentum that you bring through it. And that we would be people who understand that the kingdom that we are part of is unshakable. That even if the whole world shakes, Lord, what we stand in and standing in your power is far greater, Lord. We thank you for that this morning, Lord. Our hearts are overwhelmed with gratitude unto you for what you've done. And we honor your name in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, Nila.